1: To the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Next holiday weekend, which, of course, is New Year's. Again, hope for everybody that is listening, all of Braves Country and everybody in general. Hope your holidays continue to be happy and healthy for you, your friends, and your family. And thank you so much for joining us here on The Daily Hammer. Of course, The Daily Hammer, The Battery Power Podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all are a part of The Battery ba- Power Podcast Network, which you can find at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSV, across all forms of social media. And free on all podcast platforms, wherever you choose to listen, That's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it comes to all of the great options through the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And the latest is this. Atlanta keeps being Active. Again, I know that I keep mentioning this whether it comes through my writings over at BatteryPower.com or through the Daily Hammer. Atlanta legitimately has been, you know, I can't, don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I would imagine that the Braves have made more moves, whether it be tran- actual transactions, signings, what have you, than any team since the winter meetings. And it all started with the move for Well, it didn't actually start, you know, there were a few moves beforehand, but the big move that the the Braves have made so far, of course, was the trade for Sean Murphy. And then the last Daily Hammer, we talked about the Braves extending Sean Murphy for six years and 73 million. But through the trade for Sean Murphy... The Braves also opened up some roster spots that they since have made moves to attempt to fill at least for the time being. We know that they went out and added, you know, infielder Horry Park, they added first baseman Lewin Diaz, they added they re, um, signed back Jackson Stevens to a split contract, they signed Jordan Luplau to a 1-year 1.4 million dollar deal, and now they continue to make other moves to try to make their roster at least in the present. As strong as possible. And that's exactly what we're going to discuss on today's Daily Hammer. Now, when the Braves made these moves to fill out the 40 man roster, they made moves for players who at the time are our organizational depth. But those spots were also always open if the Braves were to go out and get talents that they feel were going to be more beneficial for the 2023 season and beyond, and that's exactly what they did. First off, they acquired left-handed reliever Lucas Lickey from the uh, New York Yankees. They acquired him in exchange for uh, relief pitching prospect Indigo Diaz, as well as infielder Chad Durbin. Now, when it comes to Diaz and Durbin... Those are two prospects that when you look at the fact that Lickie was recently designated for assignment by the New York Yankees, you're thinking to yourself, why would the Braves want to trade two prospects for a reliever that was just designated for assignment when they already traded for other players who were designated for assignment, but all it cost to get those players were cash considerations? Well, that's because Lickie is a, you know, pretty... Good reliever who, surprisingly, was designated for assignment by the Yankees and the Braves found an opportunity to go get a reliever that they really like that matches their preferences when it comes to their bullpen. And though Indigo Diaz has been a you know pretty intriguing arm at times in the minors, you know the Braves um, drafted Chad Durbin in the 14th round of the 2021 uh, MLB draft. It seemed reasonable. It seemed as if the Braves were okay giving those players up to bring in a reliever that has had good results over the past few years and that of significance a pitcher a reliever that the Braves can control for multiple years in their bullpen. Lucas Lickey is a is a pretty, you know, c- compelling story, you know, a reliever who had not pitched since 2015, at least at the Major League level, before he came on with the New York Yankees in 2021. And he's reinvented himself as we've seen, you know, some other pitchers do, such as, you know, Tyler Matzik, for instance, you know, in recent history with the Braves. But Licky came on as a 34-year-old last year with the Yankees and has produced very good results out of their bullpen as a left-hander over the past two seasons. In over a hundred and twenty-five innings pitched, Lickie has produced hundred and thirty-three strikeouts to only thirty-two walks. He's 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 averaged nine, basically nine point five strikeouts per nine inning, while also allowing only about two point four walks per nine innings. A combined ERA, or ERA of around two point nine, and with some decent results. Now, Lickie is not as a left-hander, someone who just exclusively is productive against left-handers. Now, in 2021, he was very much productive, allowing only a 520 OPS to lefties. Last year, he even had reverse splits at times, but he was pretty even down the middle in terms of his effectiveness. But with going out to get Licky, the Braves were able to go out and add another reliever that really, as I mentioned, matched their preferences. Hell, his repertoire is not that much, his arsenal is not that much different. From Colin McHugh, he har- he rarely throws above 90 miles an hour. He throws a combination of cutter, slider, and curve, but a lot like McHugh, there's a lot of good movement on Lickie's pitches. He's very smart when it comes to knowing how to use his arsenal to keep hitters uncomfortable in the count, and he gets good results when you look at his highlights. There are several examples of either Licky gets good calls that are, you know, just on the edge of the strike zone, so he's good at keeping, you know, his pitches outside of the strike zone, uh, or also, when the batters do swing, it's a lot of uncomfortable pitches. And the other thing that stands out about Licky's approach is that he also gets a lot of production high in the zone. For someone who doesn't throw above 90 miles an hour, you would think that they would be living dangerously, throwing the ball in the top half of the zone, but Licky does on occasion and has pretty decent success. So this is another example of the Braves finding an opportunity to go out and get a reliever that matches their preferences. We know that they have preferred to carry three lefties in the bullpen to kind of balance out the options that they have. In 2021, they had Tyler Matzik, they had A.J. Minter, they had Will Smith. In 2022, for much of the year, they had Matzik, they had Dylan Lee, and they had Minter. Well, now... Unfortunately, with Tyler Matzik, out for the season with Tommy John surgery, Dylan Lee had a career year in 2022. A.J. Minter has regained his position as one of the better left-handed relievers in the bullpen or in the game. You now have Minter, Lee, and Licky as your options in a bullpen that will also feature Joe Jimenez, Kirby Yates, Colin McHugh, and Rysel Iglesias, among others to create arguably the deepest bullpen in baseball. So again, it may seem a bit odd that the Braves were willing to trade two prospects for a you know older reliever who was just designated for assignment by the Yankees. But when you really look at the numbers, there's a lot of intrigue. There, there, there's, some, there's some pretty good production from Licky over the past two seasons. And now you get that type of production to add to an already talented bullpen you add a, a different skill set. You know, we t- we have t- I've, I've talked about the fact that the Braves ha- have really continued to focus on improving the strikeout potential of their bullpen options. Well, with Licky and Colin McHugh, you now have the ability to throw off the balance of hitters because you can throw out in McHugh and Licky arms that may not have a lot of velocity but have a lot of really effective movement, you throw that out there in the midst of a game where it either follows up a a starter who may have thrown high velocity like a Spencer Strider or or Charlie Morton and then you throw out and lickey and then you follow that up with a hard-throwing option such as a Joe Jimenez or Rysel Iglesias. So that's the other thing that stands out about this. The Braves now not only are adding good production to the bullpen. They're not only adding another lefty, when we know that they like to keep three lefties in the bullpen, they're adding different looks. They're adding different options that could be effective. And all these options have shown that they have the ability to strike out hitters at an above average rate. So another astute move by Alex Anthopoulos. We know that he absolutely loves to have as deep and diverse of a bullpen as possible when it comes to the options he can throw out there. And now he's found another reliable left-handed option that he can control for multiple years. So I'm not saying that all of a sudden Lickie's going to become one of the top two or three options in the Braves' bullpen, but I am saying that based off his production, based off his repertoire, based off what he's shown he can do, I do think that it's another intriguing move that once again just continues to add to what arguably could be the deepest bullpen in baseball. And for the Braves, them continuing to strengthen what could hopefully be the best bullpen in baseball... We know how much of a preference Alex Anthopoulos puts on that type of bullpen production in big moments and in the postseason. He continues to add and make the bullpen as deep as possible to give it the best chance to be the best bullpen in baseball in 2023 and beyond. But of course, Lewis Lickey was not the only move that the Braves made. As they continued to reshape the back end of their 40-man roster, the Braves also went out and got Eli, Roy- Eli White, from the Texas Rangers in another trade earlier this week.
0: What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship of Prop G-Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G-Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So the same night that the Braves acquired um, Lucas Lickey from the New York Yankees for actual minor leaguers, they went the more traditional route of acquiring, you know, a talent they at least were a bit intrigued by that had been designated for assignment by another club when they acquired outfielder Eli White from the Texas Rangers for cash consideration. Now, the White, acquisition was along the lines of them acquiring um, Hoy Park from the Red Sox and and Luan Diaz. You know, earlier in the offseason, all of those three moves, including White, were for cash considerations. And again, just like Park, just like Diaz, the Braves made this move as organizational depth. So, like Park, who was designated for assignment when Eli White was acquired earlier this week, and like when Diaz, who was designated for assignment when Licky was acquired, just because the Braves have acquired White doesn't mean that he'll stick on the 40-man roster. But when you look at White, and as the Braves continue to, you know, make these moves to get organizational depth, the the players that they get just get a bit more intriguing, and White is an especially intriguing player simply because of the fact that he has a very unique skill set that clearly offers value, but not in the easiest-to-fit ways on a potential 26-man roster. What I mean by that is this, is that Eli White, across three years in the majors so far in his career, just simply has not hit. There's a lot of swing and miss. There's not a lot of hard contact. Um, there's not a lot of consistency. There just is really not much to work with at all. He hasn't been that unlucky. He, he, the results that he has produced are, are about in line with the expected results. There's just not a lot of positive value when Eli White makes contact. And the unfortunate thing is, is that is that he doesn't make you know too much to begin with. He strikes out at a high rate, doesn't hit the ball hard, and and doesn't you know have a a Contact ability to make up for it, at least so far in his career. So, when it comes to, so there's a reason why the Rangers, who of course are a team that, you know, in terms of comparing them to the Braves, certainly need as many position players as possible, there's a reason why the Rangers designated White for assignment was because across three major league seasons, he just has not yet figured out how to be a productive option at the plate. But, One thing that's intriguing about his game is how fast he truly is. If you look at metrics, if you look at numbers both defensively and on the base pass, there's a lot of value that comes from Eli White either being on the base pass or out in the outfield due to his speed. And for that reason, the Braves have to at least see something that they may be able to work with to potentially get him on base more, but also utilize his speed in the outfield. And that's something that we've continued to see, you know, a bit more, you know, attention paid to by the Braves, both in terms of, you know, upping their defense potentially, but also maybe adding a bit more punch to their bench when it comes to defensive options and when it comes to speed options. We know that Guillermo Heredia, who, you know, has left to play, you know, baseball overseas, we know that the reason why the Braves had him on the roster was because of his ability as a late-inning option defensively. Well, that is a role that Eli White could certainly feel if he were to have a a decent to good spring training if he, you know, maintains his spot on the 40-man roster. So this is the type of move to potentially find a bench option and that Eli White could add that same type of, you know, could fill that same role that Guillermo Guillermo Heredia did as a defensive option out in the outfield and be a plus defender in that role, but also, again, with the rule changes coming that are going to make things more advantageous for base stealers, Eli White could be a very, very good weapon to use late in games as a pinch runner, as a potential option to steal a base, what have you and we also know obviously that the Braves certainly have put value on having that type of option in the postseason as well. So yes, with Eli White, there's a lot of there, there, there's some intrigue in his game. Unfortunately, at least offensively, it's very limited and that's probably what also keeps him from playing the field that much. He's very limited on what he can do at the plate. But when he's on base, when he's in the outfield, there's clear value that Eli White offers. And so if the Braves are to work with him and they see what they like. If you were to see how much they valued Guillermo Haradian, let's make no mistake, Guillermo Heredia was valued for other reasons besides his playing on the field. He was valued because of just how positive and how wonderful of a teammate he was. Not selling White short on that aspect of things, but in terms of actual value on the baseball field, you could potentially find an upgrade in Eli White over what you had in Guillermo, Guillermo Heredia and that you're going to get the defense. But you're also, in a time where it's more valuable, potentially going to get some positive value on the base pass with his running. So I know that I like to speak up these additions. I know at the end of the day, the Braves could sit here and move on from Eli White tomorrow, and it wouldn't surprise anybody. But this is a move that shows that the Braves are continuing from multiple angles to value defense and also continue to boost Their overall ability to have speed on the base pass to take advantage of the new advantages that base runners have. So it'll be interesting to see if Eli Wright can survive the offseason, can survive spring training, and then if he were to be on the opening roster in 2023, he clearly has a couple of avenues of where he potentially could add value as time goes on. But of course, we continue to talk about the moves that the Braves are making. And they're continuing to make moves on the margins, and that's perfectly fine. We know that Alex Anthopoulos excels with those moves on the margin. But there still remains the opening at shortstop. And as I discussed on Tuesday, I do feel that there's at least... I feel there's a very good option that the Braves opening day shortstop is not currently in the organization. But if you recall back when... Myself and Steven Tolbert did the emergency podcast when we were discussing Dansby Swanson signing with the Cubs. We talked about some trade options. We talked about, you know, potential options that the Braves could go out and get to replace Dansby Swanson that not only could, you know, be replacements for 2023, but also possibly beyond that. And one name that I know I have mentioned, I know that it's been written about over at BatteryPower.com, but infielder Ha Sung Kim from the San Diego Padres, who was a very, very admirable replacement for Fernando Tatis Jr. when he went down with injury and then, of course, had this suspension. But a report yesterday came out that the Padres could be open to trading both Kim as well as center fielder Trent Grisham. Now, Trent Grisham, he's an intriguing option, but he's a defensive first left-handed hitting outfielder who... Yeah, if you wanted to trade for him and put him out in left field, overall, he could potentially be your most valuable outfielder, out in left field that you have, but a lot of his value is in defense. And we know he and, and we know that he's a two-time gold glover in center field. The what it would take to trade for Trent Grisham probably would not make sense for the Braves because they already have a highly productive offensive and defensive center fielder in Michael Harris II, entrenched in center field for years to come. So don't get me wrong. Trent Grisham would be an intriguing option for the Braves to go get. I just don't know if the value is there to trade for him. I don't know if it would make sense to pay what it would cost to get him when you wouldn't likely play him in the center field. He probably has more value for other teams that would put him in center field. But with Kim, you certainly do have an intriguing option that you could control for multiple years. You have excellent potential in the field. I mean, gold glove level potential if you were to play a full season. He's someone that can at least show competence at the plate. And he definitely could add to the Braves' continued theme of trying to have as strong a defense up the middle with the shift no longer being an option in 2023, plus having a player that, again, at least could be competent at the plate. But the thing about it is this is that when we talk about these two-way options, when we talk about, you know, we talk about it with Sean Murphy, how good he is defensively and the fact that he has more potential offensively, with Kim, I think that it's fair to make the argument that he probably has a bit more value as a defender than as an offensive player, though he's, you know, decent at times offensively. The problem is, is that with him being, you know, not necessarily the problem, but the reality is, with him being that type of two-way option and with him having multiple control, again... While he seems to be one of the best options, one of the most sensible options or best gets for the Braves to fill their shortstop positions, what is going to be the cost to get him? And it seems the Padres may potentially be looking, you know, for a a controllable starter to fill out the back end of their rotation in a potential trade for Kim. And the Braves don't necessarily, you know, they have their own need for, you know, back in controllable starters at this point in time. So in terms of the fit, I find it hard to believe there are many other options on the trade market that are better than Kim to fill the Braves' need at shortstop. But the thing is, is that I don't necessarily know if the Braves have better options than what other teams can offer to intrigue the Padres to trade Kim to the Braves. Definitely think it's an option that the Braves can look into, but at the end of the day, I don't necessarily know if the Braves will have what it will take to get Kim from the Padres. But that that remains probably one of the biggest narratives moving forward of this offseason in the fact that we've not seen that many notable trades. As a matter of fact, thinking about all the moves throughout the offseason, Sean Murphy has been one of the bigger trades that we've seen so far this year. But the trade market could become, you know, with the free agent market now, you know, being, you know, a little less intriguing with all the names that are signed. Perhaps the trade market becomes a bit more intriguing as we go into the new year. And with that being the case, the Braves certainly could make moves to upgrade their overall options in left field, and they certainly could make a move to try to get a shortstop to fill the void, you know, at the shortstop position with Dansby Swanson now in Chicago. So while Kim may not necessarily be that attainable of an option, while Trent Grisham probably is not, you know, a sensible option for the Braves, the point is, is that the Braves likely will continue to have discussions to find something that's out there potentially that could make sense. And if that's on the trade market, though, the Braves don't have a lot to offer. They still may be able to get creative in offering something that makes sense to get at least another intriguing talent at a position of need. I don't necessarily think that the Braves are going to do something just completely out of left field and trade a player that, you know, obviously has significant value to them, that unexpectedly they're, you know, moving on from to fill other needs. I don't necessarily think we're going to see that big of a move or that creative of a move. But it'll be interesting to see... If the Braves can put together a trade package once again to go get a player who you know is not someone that people would consider to, consider a star, not someone that you know has been you know highly productive for multiple years, but perhaps in a player like Kim, the Braves could go out and get a player who can offer two way value, and that once he arrives in Atlanta, the Braves could make him offer even more value as time goes on. So again, nothing out there connecting the Braves to Kim as an option. But with their obvious opening at shortstop, and with the fact that Kim showed a lot of you know, intriguing potential as a shortstop last year, it's a sensible fit. Again, it's just not that easy to find how the Braves could potentially offer. Now, I'm sure they could put together a package that could get Kim from the Padres, but is it a package they'd be willing to pay? Because you know for sure other teams are going to be interested in Kim as well. A lot of fun things to talk about when the major league team you, team you cover is active. And even if we're talking about players who may not necessarily be on the roster once the Braves' season start, these moves do continue to show where the Braves are focusing their attention. And as time goes on, it's going to become you know more and more obvious what the Braves are looking to do when it comes to making the moves that they want to make. To put the best 26 players out on the field to try to give them the best shot at a title in 2023. Can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Daily Hammer. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, and the Road to Atlanta podcast, all at batterypower.com at BatteryPowerSBN and free on all forms of on all podcast platforms. Wherever you listen for free, that's where we'll be. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. It's always a pleasure to be with you. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Until next time, a very, very happy new year to everyone. Go Braves, and we'll talk to you in 2023 here on The Daily Hammer.